Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Schein. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Schein, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLennan Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us, Jamie Singer. Jamie, thanks for joining. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. So, Jamie, my first question for you is, how does a girl that grew up in the suburbs of Chicago end up being one of the most well-known crisis management individuals in, in the field today? Well, I can't say that I, I saw myself, you know, pursuing this path. You know, it's interesting like any good uh, English major, I figured my path was to either go into teaching or into PR, and I chose PR. And uh, in my first sort of internship, I got thrown into a client crisis situation. It was a bankruptcy restructuring, and I got addicted to the adrenaline rush, the access to the C-suite, and just love the strategic nature of crisis communications. Um, and so from there, dedicated my career in that. And since then, I found uh, the specialty in cybersecurity crisis communications, uh, which is a burgeoning area, of course, and, you know, an area that every organization, I think, needs assistance in before, during, and after. So, again, non-traditional path, but one I find myself in. Sure. So let's dive right into it. Um, so really, when we think about strategic communication, crisis communication, when does a firm really need it during an incident? Is it prior to it? Is it during the incident? Is it post-incident? When should they be engaging somebody like yourself? Yeah, good question. I mean, truthfully, it's all of the above. Uh, but what we have found is when there is an active cybersecurity matter, an organization will typically call their insurance carrier, they'll engage counsel, and, and then, of course, an IT forensics firm. Strategic communications really needs to play a role in that sort of early engagement. And the reason is we are increasingly seeing ransomware issues, test organizations' ability to respond, not only externally with customers and media, but also internally. What do you say to your employees when uh, your systems are inoperable and they need to still do their day jobs? What do you tell your vendors, your partners? This is where you know, having a strategic communications partner uh, can really be helpful to organizations as part of their holistic response process. So, you know, early and often is sort of my mantra in terms of when to engage communications. You know, to be honest, a lot of clients engage just too late when their incident's already in the news and they may have already said something to a reporter and by then it's difficult to put things, you know, back in the bag. So that early engagement is critical uh, and thinking through, you know, communications as a means to enhancing stakeholder trust and mitigating reputational risk overall. So, so when we think about, you know, a company that's currently in a data incident um, experiencing kind of, you know, what are some of the do's and don'ts in terms of how to communicate that message? Yeah, so, you know, a common pitfall we see is companies saying too much and too quickly. You know, crisis management 101, the tenant is you should communicate the minute you know something went wrong as transparently as possible, everything you know. The problem with cyber, as you know, forensics investigations are quite fluid. Information and facts change frequently. And so the early bird doesn't always catch the worm in these situations. If you communicate too quickly before your systems are remediated or before you have all the facts, that can actually erode trust. Uh, you know, we, we remember sort of the target example 
uh, where the CEO went out and talked about the number of impacted cardholders, and then he had to change that number over and over again. And again, not necessarily his fault, the forensic investigation clearly found you know, additional data, but that eroded trust. So important to sort of be careful about the cadence and timing of communications. And then the other thing I'd mention is, as I started earlier, there's often a lot of focus on what do we say to customers and media and external stakeholders, but we continue to see the employee audience being forgotten and sure. they shouldn't because they wear two hats. They're, they could be impacted by the incident and they interface with customers. So they need to know what's going on and they need to know what we, the company wants them to say and frankly, what not to say and how to escalate questions. Absolutely. So, so my question to you is where does the intersection between crisis communication and legal come in? Are you guys working side by side? Is it legal giving you direction? How does that, how does that play out? Yeah, so you know, we really view ourselves as partners, you know, to, to legal and breach counsel. In fact, typically they are engaging us uh, on a client's behalf in a tri-party agreement, you know, to help protect privilege. So in many ways, we are working at counsel's direction. And so we see this as an interplay and an ongoing dialogue where both sides, the legal side and the communication side, we're looking at how do we best mitigate risk. And yes, sometimes there are debates over a particular word or a particular message, but it's really important that the legal and communication strategies are in lockstep. You know, communications needs to understand what are the legal disclosure requirements at play? Is there a deadline? Does the notification need to come in the form of a letter versus a media notice? And then the regulator audience, you know, increasingly we're seeing uh, regulators, state AG offices, OCR for healthcare organizations, launch investigations, and sometimes the investigations are focused on the communications response. Sure. So all the more reason legal and communications, you know, really need to be in lockstep uh, from the outset. Now, I would imagine um, when the media gets a hold of an incident, that would complicate things. Um, how do you manage the media when they're involved with the cybersecurity incident? Yeah, so, you know, there is a degree of breach fatigue out there right now. You know, typically what we see is the cybersecurity trades and bloggers will be the first to break news of an incident. They typically have sources that are scanning the dark web and, and threat actor leak sites. So they will often be the first to report. And then typically, you know, the local media or national media will take their cues from that, the cyber trades and really only report on issues that have, are large in scope in terms of the number of impacted individuals or involve a household brand name. Now, the, the thing is, though, most media will move on fairly quickly. There's usually a seven to 10 day news cycle to these, sometimes even shorter, because the name of the game in cyber media is report on it as soon as possible and then move on to the next. So our strategy often is to how do we play into this fatigue? And doing media interviews, live interviews, often is going to exacerbate a story can cause companies to go off message, go down rabbit holes, and frankly, make a story sexier. So we approach media typically as a, as a transaction. How can we use media to make sure we are continuing to reiterate our key messages to our key stakeholders? And often that can be accomplished through written statements. And hopefully that, again, shapes the narrative somewhat, but then allows media to move on quickly and, and the company to do so as well. Sure, sure. So, Jamie, for our listeners, um, from a communication perspective, what tools or, or, or best practices can you share 
for companies to be better prepared for when inevitably the cyber incident does occur. Yeah, so you know what we find today is most organizations do have an incident response plan, but often those plans are very focused on the operational or the technical measures and response protocols. What's often missing is this communications piece. And you know, as we've discussed, it's really important. So there is an opportunity to think through in advance what should those communications protocols be? Who sits on a company's crisis communications team? What are their different roles and responsibilities? Who needs to be involved in reviewing and improve, approving messaging? That, that's actually a critical sticking point I often find my clients in that are you know, reviewing Google Docs with 20 people on a, on a Zoom call. And that's obviously not ideal when you're trying to get a message out very quickly. So all those processes and protocols can be decided on in advance and will allow a company to move much more quickly when they're faced with, with an incident. And then, you know, you can, even though every incident is different, you can spend time now thinking about scenario planning and drafting what would be a holding statement if Brian Krebs got a hold of the story, or you know, what would we say on day one of a ransomware incident versus day three, day seven, et cetera. So that scenario planning is something organizations can do. And then you know, another thing I'm seeing is uh, challenges with how to communicate. And in terms of when corporate email is not available, a lot of organizations are struggling. How can we even talk to our employees and how do we even work as a response team? So exploring those offline communications channels, those emergency notification tools is really important on the front end because if you can't work together, it's gonna be very difficult to be able to communicate effectively. And then like you know, um, other vendors, you know, the tabletop exercises and simulations are, are really critical to building that muscle memory and testing decision-making. And again, not just on the technical and operational side, but how a company would decide to talk to media, would they? Uh, sure. What would they say to customers and using tabletops to put pressure on organizations to think about those, those critical messages? Um, you know, I recently worked with an organization on a tabletop, but they're a C-suite. And we spent 30 minutes talking about what we would call a ransomware incident. Would we call it ransomware? Would we just call it cybersecurity? Would we call it an outage? And it was a really effective use of that tabletop's time because now that company knows what their values are in terms of how they want to message and communicate things. And I believe they will be able to lead on their front foot if they're able to, you know, in, if they're in the middle of an incident. So Jamie, I mean, we've spoken about a tremendous amount of information in a very short amount of time. Is there anything that I should have asked you before I let you go that I didn't get to ask you? I think we covered most of the topics. You know, again, I would just encourage, you know, folks to think about uh, services like mine, not just as PR, but then it's about reputation management and strategic communications and thinking holistically about stakeholders. Yes, media is important, but it's really how do we help organizations mitigate reputational risk when it comes to communicating effectively with their board? with shareholders, with partners, with vendors, uh, because at the end of the day, that's where you know, reputations are protected or damaged is that effective communication strategy, thinking through, again, a multi-stakeholder holistic response. And, and Jamie, how, how can our listeners find you? Is it LinkedIn, Twitter, email, phone? What's the best way to contact you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Jamie Singer with Resolute Strategic Services, uh, and email is, what is great jamie.singer at resolutestrategicservices.com. Uh, you can also visit our website, resolute, uh, cyberstrategies.com. That is a specific division of Resolute Strategic Services that I lead that specifically focuses on this uh, communications aspect. 
Jamie, thanks for coming on the show and chatting cyber with us. Awesome. Thanks, Mark.